0: Haven't met, I'm Denise Dines I'm part of the teaching team here and we are continuing through our journey on wisdom this month we're adopting the lens from Jeremiah 616 where it says stop stand look at the ancient paths ask which way is the good way and then walk And find rest. And this morning we're gonna spend some time thinking about the ancient good way of listening. But before we do, will you just do a little exercise with me? Don't worry, you don't have to like get up or move or anything. I'm just gonna invite us to look at this image together. It's a coincidence that it's Mr. Rogers. I didn't choose the video, but it was a good one. (laughs) This is Mr. Rogers. So I'm asking that we don't just look at it with our eyes, but would you invite Jesus to sit with you and the two of you can look at it together like a shared experience? You don't have to expect anything extraordinary to happen, just something, a little shared moment with you and Jesus looking at this image. And I invite you to just notice whatever you notice. So we'll, we'll take a minute now. Thank you, for taking that pause with me. Uh, if you're comfortable, just calling it out. Uh, wh- what do you notice in the image? His hand on his back. Oh, yeah, his hand on his back. Isn't that sweet? Oh, I love that. Yeah. What else? What else do you notice? What stands out? Somebody in first service said something I never noticed before. She said that Mr. Rogers' hands are the same. They're like prayer hands. I never noticed that. What's happening here? What's going on? Engagement. Engagement. Yeah, that's a good word. Attention. Attention. Who's paying attention in the image? Everybody, right? Yeah, everybody. When I Googled this image, I was looking for a picture of Mr. Rogers listening. And, and I think that that fits the bill. But the more that I looked at the picture this week, I'm like, wait a minute though, who's listening to who? You know, I, I mean, he could be listening to something that little girl is saying, but his mouth is open a little, so he might be talking and they're listening. I think just across the board, engagement is a good word. There's there's presence, and this is just an image of listening. So in your time of looking at the picture with Jesus, if something came up to the surface for you, it may not have been an observation or a thought. It may have been a feeling. Nothing may have happened, and that's okay too. But if something happened in that that space with Jesus, I just ask you to hold that with tenderness um, into the rest of your day, into your week. Maybe follow that trail, see where it leads with him. Um, But otherwise, I'd like to invite us to look at this posture of listening, any one of those, and know that Jesus is listening to us all the time. He holds this posture towards us, listening, engagement, tenderness. So we're going to dig into Isaiah 55 today, if you have your Bible. If not, it's gonna be on the screen, so all is well. But I'd like to give a little bit of context. There are a lot of passages all throughout scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, about listening, or God saying, listen to me, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, but I just chose one, and what's happening in Isaiah 55, he was a prophet, and if you're familiar with Israelite history in the Old Testament, they were taken captive by a huge, scary nation, the Babylonian Empire and it was really, really awful and terrifying. This like huge nation came in and just wrecked the whole place, just burned it to the ground, killed a bunch of people. It was terrifying, and then those who were left, they're like, you belong to me now. And they had to march across the land to go back to Babylonia. What, it, what is it? Babylon. <laughs> Babylon <laughs> has captives. And so it was really, really awful. Well, that hadn't happened yet in Isaiah 55. But like a bunch of chapters before this, Isaiah dropped the bomb as the prophet and said, hey guys, this is going to happen in our future. We're going to be taken captive by Babylon. And then all of these other chapters since he dropped the bomb are speaking to that future event. 55, in particular, are words of comfort that were prophetically written under guidance of the Holy Spirit as comfort to those who would be in captivity. So I'd like us to consider that audience, the ones who were already taken captive and were desperate for these words of comfort. Uh, We've never been in the Babylonian exile, thank goodness, but I think we have our own version of being in it. Whatever it is, you might be in it now. And if you're not in it now, you've, if, you've, if you're an adult, you've probably been in it before. And we could just think of this idea of being so desperate, just hopeless. Like, what's the point of anything anymore? What's the point of anything? Everything I knew, doesn't matter, because it's gone. It's gone a sense of of homesickness, but you can't get there. And even if you could, it's gone, home is gone. People you love are gone, everything you know. It's like your whole life and everything that came before it has just been blotted out, blotted out. So what's the point? This is a desperate, gritty, grieving, painful place, and that is who these words are for. So if we could kind of keep that in mind, and we'll just start and... 55-1, verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. Can we think of that listening posture like that image we saw, children, Mr. Rogers? Give ear to me, come to me. This is a thirsty group of people, probably not literally, but in that thirstiness, that grief, that desperation, he's saying, come to me, I have water for you. But he doesn't just stop there. He's not a God of survival. He is a God of abundance. So he says, yes, quench your thirst. But then, I also have milk for you, which is rich, satisfying. And wine, which is like a drink of joy and celebration. And food, so you can eat like a king. This is what he has to offer. And the effort it takes on our part is to just listen to come, give ear, adopt that listening posture. But notice, he says, why do you spend your money on what doesn't satisfy? Your labor on what doesn't satisfy. This implies that we're doing something else. So my question is, think to yourself, what are you doing instead of pausing to listen? Where are you spending yourself? It could be spending your thoughts, spending your time. Where are you spending yourself on? What doesn't satisfy when there's something readily available that comes with listening? Let's go on. I want us to hear the words he says to this, this audience, this people group, picking it back up in the middle of verse 3. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. Nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Now, I'm just going to spend a brief moment there, but what I want us to hear is that when they did give ear those, and to listen to the words that brought life, what did he say to them? but a reminder of their identity. He told them who who they are, who he says they are, and he did so by reminding them of a promise he had made because he's faithful to his promises, so he reminded them. Guys, we are actually living in the day where this has been fulfilled. Imagine those people who were so desperate. If they could see this room today, Thousands of years later, on the other side of the globe, and what have we spend our time and our morning doing? But focusing on a person who, when he was nailed to the cross, had a sign above him that said "King of the Jews." We are a nation they never knew, and yet we hasten to them, to Jesus, because he is faithful to their promise, his, to his promises. They felt like. We've been blotted out, and God said, I know it seems that way, but I'm here to tell you that's not the case. In fact, you couldn't even imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in it, when I'm in a hard time, I don't really have the capacity to envision a hopeful future. People might say to me, oh, it'll pass. God is faithful. But I just don't have the headspace to, like, think of, oh, this is going to turn out fine. Everything's going to be good. Well, we don't have to. In this, in this, God says, when you listen to me, it's okay that you can envision this. Here, I'll just tell you what I envision because it's true. This is the hope for your future. So let's think for a minute. What does God have to say to us about our identity? Is it possible he has a vision that he wants to give us? Peace, perhaps, about our future based on that identity, one with hope. We find this when we give ear, when we adopt that posture that we saw in that image. Let's go on. It picks up in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. So this is like a little call of repentance. Repentance is such a religious word, but it just means turning around. So turning from sin or you know, turning around from what's not working so that I can move in a direction that is working. And this is just a natural response to the words of life that he gave because he spoke to them some really good news, a reminder of their identity, a reminder of how faithful he is to his promise, and a vision that they couldn't have conceived on their own of a really hopeful future. So what's the natural response but then to let go of the things that hinder walking into that life? Remember, what is the good road? Walk in it and find rest well that repentance is an act of walking down the ancient good road so a question to think about ask what habits or mindsets do i have that stand in contrast to or hinder god's view of me and my future what habits or mindsets do i have that stand in contrast to or hinder God's view of who I am and my future. Well, verse 8 is the reason why we listen. Here it is. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, there it is. This is why we listen. He actually knows something that we don't know. I I don't know if you do this. Like, I will exhaust all my options, and I'll think, well, I've already thought through everything, and that's all there is to it, so I'm stuck. (laughs) Do we really believe that he actually has thoughts that are beyond our limitations? And you know what I love about this verse, too, is there's no shame in it. He's not saying, come on, guys, come up to my level. Don't you see your thoughts are just so low? You need to think like me. He knows we can't think like Him. He's God. He's God. So He's just inviting us to listen and acknowledging the value in it because He actually has something to offer that we can't get on our own. And because He's God, as valuable as it is to listen to each other. Well, listening to God is going to give us something that even other people can't give us. This is a big deal. But. Even though his ways are so, so high above our ways, his thoughts so high above, they are not inaccessible. Because then it goes on. Uh, where does it go on? Verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower, bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. His ways are so high, but they're so available. Just as easily as the earth receives rain, that's how easily we can receive what he wants to share with us. If we would just Take a moment and pause and adopt that listening posture, like that picture of Mr. Rogers and the children. His ways are readily, readily available to us. And when we take them in, they will accomplish what he wants them to do. Just like the rain. Never... You know, it it does its job. Things grow up, and then it provides blessings for everybody. It is the same thing when we experience God, when we're engaged with him, when we have that posture and take that in. It sinks into our minds. It sinks into our hearts. It sinks into our nervous system, and it changes who we are. In fact, here's a promise about that. It continues on. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow the pine tree. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be, for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. When we give ear to him, it changes us even if the circumstances don't change. And sometimes those change too. But even if they don't, we find ourselves in them new because we gave ear to him and his words are effective. I want to share another story. It's not going to be on the screen, but do you guys remember Moses and the burning bush? I spent some time in that this week, and I noticed something I'd never seen before. Okay, so Moses was just shepherding his sheep. He was just present, engaged, doing his job. In this story, anyway, he didn't seem to be spending his money on what doesn't satisfy. He didn't seem to be, like, preoccupied and worry, and he definitely wasn't on his phone. You know, so he was out there, present, and then he noticed something weird, which was a bush on fire, but the the bush wasn't, like, burning up. And so the text says something like, Moses thought to himself, what is this remarkable sight? I need to go and find out why this bush is not, like, burning up. And the next verse says, When the Lord saw that Moses was going over to see the sight, he said to him, Moses, Moses. Moses didn't know God was going to speak to him. It's like he adopted that posture of listening in his presence, The presence that allowed him to notice something weird? (laughs) And then he followed that with this, this curiosity. And I would say that curiosity is like that listening posture. And then the Lord saw that in Moses and spoke his name. What if we just adopted a listening posture from time to time? Not to demand that our listening posture makes God speak, but what if it if we adopt that posture like Moses, like Mr. Rogers and the children, and then God says, you know what? I think I finally have their attention. Maybe you'll speak your name. But that leads to the how. I'm gonna talk about about the how because um, talking about God speaking and God listening can be a really tender issue, and I I wanna acknowledge that. And so I probably should've said this from the beginning. When I use the word speak, God's speaking, I use that word very loosely. Does God speak with words? Sure, yes. Does he always speak with words? Absolutely not. He speaks in many ways. The other word I won't use very loosely is listen and hear. When I say hear, listen, do I mean with our ears? Sure, sure, we can listen to God with our ears. Does it always have to be our ears? No, no. So what I want us to remember Jesus speaks to us in many ways, in many ways. I want to share a story about uh, that Beth Moore shared. I've always remembered. She visited this family, and they had just moved to a small town, and they had little children. And she was talking to the little boy. He was like four or five years old. And she's like, how's it going, living in this new house, in this new town? And he said, God told me he's going to bring me a friend. And Beth Moore said, Really? How did God tell you this? And he looked thoughtful and he said, He told me in my feelings. That's just one way God speaks to us. Sky's the limit, and you are not the exception. If you're in rooms like you're at church and you you think, gosh, people talk about God speaking to me. God doesn't speak to me. I promise you're not the exception. You're not. But he might be speaking to you in a way that you didn't realize was him. And I'd I'd, I'd ask you to, to lean in with some curiosity and gentleness. He knows your language. He speaks Denise very well. Just like he speaks Mandy and Marty. He speaks everyone's language. He knows your language. The other thing I'd like us to remember is that we are passively listening all the time. (laughs) Remember how, why do you spend your labor and your money on what doesn't satisfy? There's a lot of noise going on. Sometimes it's actual noise. Sometimes it's phone noise. Sometimes it's worry noise. There's a lot going on. We're passively listening all the time. So ask yourself, how can I tune out in order to tune in? What would that look like? It doesn't have to be all or nothing. I mean, if you feel led to, to, say, to do all or nothing, to say, I will never do the phone again, or whatever it is, then I don't want to stop you. But for me, that's, that's like a difficult way to, to start. So what if you just took 10 minutes a day, five minutes, and went on a walk? Or five minutes and just put the phone on silent? You know, those are just, who knows how many ideas they are. The question is, ask yourself, how can I tune out in order to tune in? The next thing is, listening requires I give up control. That goes back to his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, his ways are higher than my ways. Well, if that's true, then that means we have to be vulnerable and acknowledge our need, at least for that moment. Am I willing to be vulnerable? Uh, The next thing is, the more time I spend seeking to hear Jesus, the easier it will be to recognize his voice. I think as human beings, we are unique in creation. I think it is an innate, built-in ability to hear God. Remember, I use hear loosely. But just because it's an innate ability doesn't mean it doesn't need to be practiced and so take the time a little bit the more time you you seek to hear him with that listening posture that curious present moses posture the easier it will become to recognize his voice in your life Uh, the next thing is that we help each other in this sacred endeavor we are all on the same journey here trying to learn to hear the voice of our shepherd and recognize it. And he speaks in a lot of different languages just in this room here. I would encourage you to go out to coffee with someone or join a community group or whatever it looks like to partner with people and to be brave and to say, you know what? I want to hear God's voice, but I'm having a hard time. Would you? How do you hear God? Or to say, I think God might be saying something to me, but this is really, really weird. Can I share it with you? You know, we help each other. We help each other learn to hear his voice. And then finally, the most important thing in learning to hear God is my sincere desire, not just to hear God, but to participate in relationship with him. That's what it's about. Like that Mr. Rogers picture. (laughs) So I'm going to pray. God, thank you for your posture that you have with us right now, gentle, engaged. We want to be like you. Would you show us how to grow into people who know how to pause and be present and curious and listen? We want to recognize your voice and participate in relationship with you. And I believe so strongly that you are eager to answer this prayer in our lives. So we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do. Amen.